When I think back over my life, it seems like there's always been music. There's always been a, a soundtrack to life. I, I think about when we were in high school, Jeff, and I think about those songs that were kind of defining and songs that we kind of grew up with, and we still go back to those songs. I don't know about you, but I still tune into the 80s stations every now and then and listen to those songs that were so important to us, so foundational and formational to us, for better or for worse, that's what they were. I think about the sounds of the, well, the seasons, and Dina's very pleased today that we're six months from Christmas. So six, you know, she's probably going to start playing the Christmas music any day now, you know, and Christmas has its soundtrack and we hear the songs, we hear songs this summer, it's like every summer has its own songs. I think about when Trish and I started dating and we had our song, you know, and so we'd always listen to that and come on the radio, we'd turn it up and scoot a little closer to each other and listen to our song. And then when the kids were growing up, it was everything from the wheels on the bus to, uh, yeah, you like that one. Anything with Barney, was my oldest daughter was a, was a Barney fan, and then Jesus Loves Me was always an important song with the kids growing up. But then I also realized that there have been just huge swaths of my life where there was no music in those times. And I think back over some of the, the difficult times, some of the times when, when things seemed dark, when we were going through a lot of difficulties, sometimes when I feel like maybe I even lost my way, and I wonder, where was the music in those times? I think about when we got our diagnosis with Connor, that he had autism, and I suddenly realized that all those dreams that as a dad I had for me and my son and the things we'd be able to do, all of those dreams were gone, and I was going to have to find different dreams. And to be honest, I, I don't remember any music from that period in my life. I think back and I, I realized I just felt numb for a very long time. Everything seemed silent and I wonder where, where was the music in those days? Have you found that to be true? Have you found it hard to put a song behind your troubles? I mean an honest song. It's easy enough to say, well, praise God anyway. I'm talking about something raw, something that actually speaks to your pain. It's hard and in those moments, silence is deafening. In those moments, it feels like there are no soundtracks. There are no awesome mixes for us. In those moments, the silence is, is deafening. There are no fight songs. There are no victory anthems. We're just numb. And, and our minds go numb. Our ears go numb. And we're left without a song. I remember a friend of mine called me up one day. and He was going through some difficult stuff. Had trouble with his job. He was having trouble with his family. And he is having trouble with his health. He said, I went to the doctor. They're wanting to run some more tests. The doctor thinks this might be cancer. And he was down, wanted to talk. He said, I've been trying to work through all of this. He said, I, I've been reading the book of Job. And I said, stop reading Job. Job wants you to think about these things. You don't have time to think right now. You don't have the capacity to think. You need to feel something. And so I said, I want you to do this. I gave him the name of a song. I said, put this on your radio, get in your truck, roll the windows down, and drive as fast as you can legally, maybe a little faster. Turn it up and listen to this song. And thankfully, everything came through fine. and The tests came back fine. But, but in the end, he thanked me that I gave him a song for that difficult time. 
I really think that's one of the blessings that we get when we come to the book of Psalms, that collection of Psalms in the Bible. When we are numb, when we are hurting, they give us a song. When we are overwhelmed, when we, when we can't think straight, the Psalms help us to feel our way through our hurts. And it may be that right now you're going through something big. It may be right now you're going through a huge challenge. And you may be thinking, I don't hear a victory song for this. Uh, there, there's no fight song. All I hear is, is silence. The Psalms come alongside us. They come alongside our pain. And they seem to say, I have a song for you. We don't get too far into the Psalms before they begin putting music to our pain. In fact, we get to Psalm 3. That's where we are today. Psalm 3, if you want to follow along in those blue Bibles, it's page 448 in the blue Bibles. Psalm 3. Psalm 3 has a lot of firsts for us. Psalm 3 is the first psalm attributed to King David. So we often think about how David wrote the psalms. He didn't write all of them, but Psalm 3 is the first one that we have attributed to David. Psalm 3 is also the first psalm that gives us an historic setting for it. If you read it there in the introduction, it says the psalm of David when he fled from Absalom his son. So we know when David wrote this song, what he was going through when he wrote this song. Psalm 3 is also the first psalm to use the word Selah, or if you're from Kansas, you say Selah, don't you? It's the first psalm to use the word Selah. We don't know what that word means. It appears like 73 times all through the psalms. Scholars, linguistics, they don't know what the word means exactly. It seems to be some kind of, of a musical direction. We don't know how to define it. Psalm 3 is also the first lament psalm. It's sad. It's not a psalm of praise. It's a psalm of failure. And as such, it speaks to our hurts. It speaks to our pains. It speaks to our failures. It speaks to those times when we may say there is no song for me right now. Psalm 3, the psalm of David, when he fled from Absalom, his son. O Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Last week we were in Psalm 2. Psalm 2 began with a question. Why do the nations rage? Psalm 3 begins with a question also, O oh Lord, how many? <laughs> how many are my foes? But it's already given us the answer. One. <laughs> you look at the introduction to Psalm 3, a Psalm of David, when he fled from Absalom, his son. One foe, it's Absalom. But it's not just Absalom. David's failures have been compounded. We could go all the way back. We would actually have to go back to his sin with Bathsheba here. 
his sin, his shame, that forced his kingdom into, into shambles. Verse 1 He says, how many are my foes? It goes on and says, many are rising against me. Verse 2, many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. And then verse 6, I will not be afraid of many thousands of people. David's mistakes have compounded upon themselves, mistake upon mistake, until David feels like the whole world is against him. But this psalm isn't about David. I mentioned to you in the last few weeks as we've begun our time in the Psalms, this list of 150 Psalms that we have in our Bible, this list was assembled sometime after the exile to Babylon. When the people of Israel had come back home, after 70 years they returned home, their temple is destroyed, the kingdom is in ruins, they are now subjected to subjects of foreign governments, they will never be powerful again. Many are their foes, aren't they? Many are their foes. David, by the time this list is assembled, David's been dead for 400 years. So why put a psalm of failure as number three on your list of the top 150 psalms of all time? Why put this as number three on your playlist? It's because this isn't about Israel. It's about you and me. It's about us. It's about anyone who's hurting, anyone who's struggling. It's about anyone who's facing overwhelming odds. Anyone who has come to that point where everything that you've trusted in, whether it is your health, whether it is your marriage, whether it is your relationships and your friendships, whether it is your finances, everything you've trusted in is in ruins and you're left wondering, why isn't there any music? Why am I just numb in this moment? Why does God seem so distant and silent? How do I find, how do I find hope? Because there in that silence, we can't see and, and, and we can't hear a way out of our pain, not on our own. So whoever compiled the book of Psalms, he, they wanted this psalm to be cemented in their history. They wanted it cemented in, in history that, that they all knew about. And so they cemented in Absalom's rebellion. Now, Absalom's rebellion was one of those defining failures of David's reign. And yet I realize it's probably a story that most of us aren't very familiar with. We're familiar with David and Goliath. We're familiar with a few other stories, but we probably haven't paid a lot of attention to the story of Absalom. Absalom was one of David's sons. Absalom was bitter. He was angry. He had his reasons for being angry with his father. Absalom saw David as weak. And so Absalom began to undermine David's authority and over time he turns the kingdom against David. He overthrows David and sends David running for his life. And you hear David cry out in verse 2, many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. There is no salvation for him. I want you to hear that in that moment when David is running for his life. There is no salvation for him. You need to hear it in that moment because if you're like me, you often hear the word salvation and you think about getting saved. You think about getting saved, going to heaven when the troubles of this life are o'er 
And, and when this life has come to an end, after I've suffered and died, then I will be saved. And that is not what David is singing about here. That's not what this psalm is about. David's not thinking about heaven. He's thinking of now. I need to be saved from this threat that has come against me now. I've been sharing with you a little bit from Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the Bible called The Message. And in verse 2 of Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, he writes, mobs of them all around me, roaring their mockery. Ha! No help for him from God. See, when we read that word salvation, it's, it's not just a promise of heaven someday in the distance. It's not even primarily that in the Bible. It's the promise that whatever is troubling you today, whatever is troubling you today, whatever has hurt you, whatever has kept you from real life, whatever's keeping you from feeling right now, whatever's keeping you from singing, it can be met with faith when you trust God's presence in the middle of your trouble. That even in those darkest moments, He's not abandoned you that He knows your need and He stands near to your heart. That's not just about heaven. That's not just about our final destination. That's about the journey of life. And this psalm is about that journey. Verse 2, many are saying there's no salvation for Him. And then in verse 7, David cries out, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. And then in verse 8, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Again, Eugene Peterson's The Message. He says, real help comes from God. Your blessings clothe your people. Real help comes from God. See, that's what you need. You don't just need the promise of heaven someday. You need God's presence Today, you need to know that there is a way out of the pain that you're feeling today, that loss that you're feeling today. And you need to know that the way out of your pain is to come near to God and to trust His presence to see you through. David's not looking for some spiritual salvation here. When you read that word salvation, he's, he's not talking about some pie in the sky and the sweet by and by. He's running for his life. He needs help now. And when Israel assembled this list 400 years later, they were surrounded by nations that wanted to see them fail. And then you and I are reading it today with, with real hurts in our lives, with real fears in our lives. David's enemies were saying of him, there is no salvation in, in, for him in God. But David's response is to bring God into his hurt and so while David's enemies tell him there's no escape for him, David puts his faith in God and in verse 3 he declares, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me. You're my glory. And you're the lifter of my head. David sees God as a, as a shield. If you've seen the old movies of old battles in, the, in those days, you've probably seen several kinds of shields. Every now and then you'll see one of those movies and they've got that shield that seems to cover the whole body, you know, and, and so as the army is marching, they've got their shields out and the enemy is shooting flaming arrows and they're able to, to protect themselves and hide behind those shields. That is not the kind of shield that David describes, which is a little odd because he says, you are a shield about me. 
the shield that David is describing is a little round shield used for close combat. You would block your enemy's attack with the shield and then you would make your attack with your sword or your club or whatever you had. But that shield was just to block the enemy's attack. Think of Captain America. That'll help some of you if you think about Captain America's shield. I really wanted to go get a Captain America shield this week just so, well, just so I would have one. Anyway, think about that as the shield. But David says, you are a shield about me. I don't know if this is the image that David has in mind, but as I think about this and as I kind of meditate on it, as I, as I imagine what this is like, I kind of imagine David seeing himself being carried in the crook of God's elbow behind that shield so that whatever is coming against David is not only met by that shield in front, but the heart of God pulling him close. That's, that's the image I have in mind. That's God's protection. That is His shield about me. David says, You, O Lord, are a shield about me. And then he says, You are my glory. It's interesting. David says, God, You are my glory. David's the king. The Bible says kings have a glory of their own. Kings have glory. Kings have honor. They have dignity. But David's honor, his dignity, his glory was under attack. There were so many who had rejected him as king. And so he looks to God and he looks to God's glory. You know, in the, in the, middle, of, in the middle of life's biggest challenges that we face, we'll find times when it feels like our dignity is gone, won't we? I mean, I'm at that age where I've already had a few of those appointments with the doctor <laughs> where there's no choice but to say, well... There's no dignity in doing this, but I guess we've got to do it anyway. <laughs> we'll have those challenges where we're embarrassed. We'll have those challenges where we feel like there's, there's no dignity here. David realizes that his only hope is in God's glory, not his own glory. And in God's glory, he values David. He loves David. He loves him just, just as he loves you. And when circumstances in life make you feel less than, when circumstances in life just seem to rob you of that dignity that you've worked so hard to preserve all your life, God reminds us of all that we're worth to Him. He reminds us of, of the worth that we have in Him. You're a shield about me. You are my glory. And you are the lifter of my head. Knowing his worth is secured in God, David declares of God, you are the one who lifts my head. I look around and I see a lot of people these days walking with their heads down. Not all of them are looking at their phones. <laughs> Some of them are. But there's people who aren't willing to meet you eye to eye. There's people who, who aren't willing to make eye contact because they're weighed down by a burden. They're weighed down by their failures. And David reminds us, he reminds you that for everything that's made you feel small, for everything that has brought you low and left you ashamed and left you thinking you're not worthy, God in His love for you, He, he lifts your head. And He meets you eye to eye. And He tells you who you are. He tells you whose you are. He tells you that you are His. 
and He gives you a song. We come to the end of the psalm, and David is still being pursued by his enemies. And yet in verse 8, he cries out, Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. 400 years later, Israel puts this list together and they are still hurting from their failure. They've got nations surrounding them. There is going to be continual failure after failure after failure for them. And yet they cried out, Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessings be on your people as they looked ahead to the day when Messiah would come and Messiah would lift them up out of the place where they found themselves, the troubles that they found themselves. They cried out, salvation belongs to the Lord, knowing that any strength that they would have would come from Him. And then you and I in our hurts and in our pains, we look to Jesus, we cry out for salvation, we call Him our Savior. We cry out for His care. We call Him our Lord. And we say, along with verse 8, salvation belongs to Jesus. His blessings be on us. His people. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. Whatever the challenge today, whatever brings me low, whatever takes my dignity, I trust Him with my need today. And He gives me His song. Three times in this psalm, we get that word, Selah. Three times it appears, just kind of breaks the psalm up. And, and again, we don't know what it means. It's a musical notation. That's what, that's what the scholars all think. It's based on how it's been translated before, way, way back, and, and based on its relationship to some other words, what they think it means is something like, slow down, play this part slowly, Maybe even slow down and think about this part. Meditate on this part of the song. I don't know exactly what Selah means, but I can tell you with confidence that every now and then you and I just need to slow down. Whatever's come our way, whatever is challenging us, it's okay once in a while to just slow down. God gives us permission to slow down. Life is hard and there are moments that will overwhelm us. And you don't have to get through every difficulty as fast as possible. You don't have to stress yourself out. Sometimes slow down and let God catch up with you. Slow down and let His grace shield you. Slow down and let His glory fill you. Give Him time to lift your head. Give Him time to give you His song. One of the things I love about some of the hymns and some of the choruses that we sing, I, I love it. <clears throat> I love it when they use words from Scripture for the songs that we sing. And I can't tell you how many times I have loved a song. I have learned a song. I have loved a song. And one day I pick up my Bible and I say, oh, <laughs> that's where it came from. It doesn't happen to me as much as it used to, but it's always a wonderful surprise. The psalm we're going to sing today for communion. It's one we haven't done for a while, but the words, you're very familiar with them. And I'll do my best to lead us through it. But as we prepare our hearts to meet 
Jesus at the table as we prepare our hearts to take His body and His blood into us. We prepare to meet the One who shields us from our pain and from our troubles. The One who, when all of our dignity is gone, He gives us His. And the One who, when we feel the lowest, He lifts our head. Let me pray, and then we'll sing. We'll take together. Father, we love You. Thank You for Your presence. Lord, we, we can thank You for Your presence in the good times. We thank You for Your presence in the challenges. And there have been many. We've got friends who are hurting right now. We've got friends who are going through things that they, they never anticipated in their lives. And we've got friends who thankfully are not going through those alone. And they've got us. They've got others. And, and they look to You. And so, Lord, I pray that You would remind us always of Your presence and of the peace we can know from You. Lord, when we cry out to You for salvation, it is not just a hope of one day, one day when this is over, but Your very real presence in the middle of our hurts right now as we prepare our hearts to take the, the bread, the cup. Father, we, we prepare our hearts and we, and we give ourselves to You. Bless this time. Draw us nearer to You. Draw us nearer to one another. Draw us near to those who are desperate for your presence. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.